This podcast was made possible by our Leadership Circle members, Senior Fellows Susan Orr, Randy Pond, and Lisa Sonsini. Class Matchers, Greg Avis, Ned Barnhold, Ann DeBusk, Madeline Fackler, Chuck Getchke, Karen King, Judy Koch, Sing Kung, Dottie Hayes, George Marcus, C.S. Park, and Steve Smith. And a special thanks to ALF Classes 31 and 24 for their tremendous support of American Leadership Forum's 30th Anniversary Campaign. Welcome to The Dialogue. I'm Suzanne St. John Crane. In 2016, a report on philanthropy in Silicon Valley revealed a major disconnect between donors and local nonprofit organizations. The report found that 90% of philanthropic dollars leave the region, and of the dollars that stay, the vast majority are given to hospitals and universities. The good news and the opportunity is that the report revealed that our booming Silicon Valley community houses more than 76,000 millionaires and billionaires. I had the recent opportunity to speak with two veterans in philanthropy at a San Jose Rotary Club meeting. ALF Senior Fellows Carol Larson, CEO of the Packard Foundation, and Rick Williams, CEO of the Sobrato Family Foundation, share their thoughts on the report and how we as a community must play a role in creating a give-where-you-live culture. Well, I'm just delighted to have uh couple of special guests with us today, and I have to say I'm blessed that Carol Larson, CEO of the Packard Foundation, has been uh, on my board and is a senior fellow at ALF, and Rick Williams from the Sobrato Foundation is in the current class. So we're, I think we have a few senior fellows out there too, so we're well, well represented today. Um, you know, I, I hope that several of you had a chance to look at the Giving Code, which was sent out um, a, a couple weeks ago, or at least the executive summary. So what we're going to do today is I'd like to talk, uh, ask a few questions of these two wonderful individuals about their thoughts on the Giving Code and kind of what the next steps are, and then open it up for, for a few questions. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to jump in. But first, I, I kind of want to set the stage here. Um, you know, both Packard and Sobrato have provided some incredible, incredible resources to our region. And for those of you that aren't development directors in the room, can I see we have a few that came today? There's yeah, there's a couple. Um, the Packard Foundation was incorporated in 1964. At the close of this year, the foundation will have awarded about $7 billion in grant, uh, uh, in grant, grant funds. And that's locally and across the country and, and around the world. And $2 billion of that has stayed in our region. Uh, so about $21 million uh, are, are, is given locally uh, each year from that foundation. And the Sobrato Foundation, which began in 1996, has granted $379 million to our community. Annual giving, yeah, it's pretty tremendous. And typically, that's around $30 million uh, annually uh, in, in grants. So just the contribution that if you really think about that over, over the span of 20 to 50 years is just, is just incredible. So you know, I want to call out one headline, the one that really struck me, and I think perhaps for some of the nonprofit folks in the room won't be a big surprise, that 90% of philanthropic dollars in Silicon Valley, up to 90% of those dollars leave the region. Many reasons for that, that can be debated, that can be discussed, but it is what this report found to be the reality. So certainly clubs like Rotary and the Packard and Sobrato Foundations are, are um, incredible exceptions to, to, to that. Um, but the question is, how do we turn the tide, right? In particular with 
so much uh, new wealth and new philanthropy in this region. How do we start to have a different conversation so that stays local? So setting that stage, I wanna, I wanna kinda jump in here, and maybe Carol, I'll, I'll ask you to respond first here. So the report really talks about two different valleys. It's the tale of two valleys, right? You've got this incredible economic boom, you've got a um, lot of new wealth, uh, uh, and you would think that, that that would mean all boats are being raised, but that is not the case at this point. Because of the cost of living increase, you've got you know, a lot of folks that are in financial distress, big numbers of folks that are. So the report recommends that we have a new conversation between nonprofits and the growing philanthropic community. So my question is, is there enough awareness to even start to have that conversation with the people that need to be at the table and in the room? How do we start that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's wonderful to be here, especially glad to be here with Suzanne. Yeah. But what a robust Rotary Club. Wow, good job. <laughs> 5,000 meetings? <Woo. laughs> but uh, actually, Packard has partnered with, with Rotary International globally in a number of our program areas. So I know the good work you do globally as well as, as here, right at home. Um, and I will get to that quite. I, I do think there isn't enough knowledge. Uh, but let me just put a few facts and figures into my answer that come from that report. So Packard paid for the report. But it was done over a year or two, and over 300 interviews were done by the researchers. And then we had access to incredible data from Schwab and Fidelity and Silicon Valley Community Foundation. And just to give, it's a, it's a good news story, right? I mean, that's how I want it. It's a yes end. There's so much to celebrate. You know, you, one of the numbers that sticks out for me is, is, a, is a sign of the economic boom in Silicon Valley and San Mateo, Santa Clara and San Mateo County is that there are over 76,000 millionaires and billionaires living in those two counties with liquid assets. That's not counting your home value. Second is that giving has gone way up. So there are, since 2000, uh, the numbers of private foundations established by people with this wealth has doubled uh, with over 10 million in assets. And That's the good the, news, right? Yeah, and that of the donor advised funds that Schwab and Fidelity have, if you just look at those two and who their donors are in these two counties, and then if you add in Silicon Valley Community Foundation, of residents from these two counties, it's like seven, it's $10 billion, $10 billion in donor advised funds. So. Good news is there's lots of potential. Yeah. Bad news is over 130 nonprofits were interviewed for this, and uh, over half of them are running deficits. You know, over 80% of them have waiting lists for their services. So what do, what the report talks about is really a breakdown in connection between the two groups. A lot of suspicion from the side of community-based organizations about the new wealth not caring, and a lot of suspicion from the side of the new wealth feeling that the community-based organizations aren't effective. Right. So right. how do you address it? First of all, the report's gotten a lot of attention. There, there have been like 30 conversations about this, Commonwealth Club, lots of, I think it's getting attention. It's prompted conversation among philanthropies about what we can do better, and we can get to that. But I think you start with knowledge, and then try to come up with ways to connect those two groups of people in new and experimental ways. We just put up a million dollars with Heising Simons Foundation and did an RFP to get ideas from nonprofits locally about how they could use some experimental money to try to do something new in bridging that gap. 
So knowledge, new experiments with bridging the gap. You need to have a spirit of this group and peer pressure in our two counties that if you live here, you give here. If you work here, you give here that it matters. And both our donors that we have the privilege of representing truly believe that. You know, Dave, even at the height of his CEO-dom of Hewlett Packard, served on the local school board. And no matter how big and global we got in our giving at Packard, so we give away $315 million a year globally, but we have a robust local program, as Suzanne said, of 21 million. And I think no one's saying you have to just give locally. It's you do. It's a yes and story. But we definitely have to get to the end. <laughs> Thank you, Carolyn. Rick, what would you? What's your answer to that question in terms of how do we get people at the table that maybe need to be involved in this conversation? Well, I, I, first of all, again, thank you for being here or for having us here. I think that uh, what the rodeo represents is kind of what we at the Sprato family represent a pride in place. How do we make people feel a sense of pride in Silicon Valley, in the region that, that they live? And I think to build on what Carol's saying, what we're looking at is this is, a, this is a moment in time for us, and a moment in time to help define what place is and what rootedness is. And if we can't figure out how to, as Carol said, if you live here and you work here, you need to understand here and take care of here. And in the days of Dave and Bill, most of the CEOs around were actually from here, and they grew up here. And even though, even though they uh, came from other places, they, they were invested in the community. That is not the case today, and that's okay. It is an and, is it, is an and conversation. But to the extent that we have people driving past, driving on freeways past communities, we have people not having the opportunity to go into communities um, off of their campuses, we lose, the, we lose the essence of what a community is. And our premises, and I think that's what you're working toward, our premises, our neighborhoods and our communities will not continue to thrive if they don't stay diverse, if, they, if people don't feel connected, if, if teachers and first responders cannot live in them. We have to figure this out. And the beauty that I think comes out of the Giving Code is that we can do it here. The wealth is here, the opportunity is here, the innovation is here. We just have to decide ourselves, how do we create a sense of ownership and a sense of responsibility for this place that we call Silicon Valley that, isn't, that you can't find on a map? Um, we have to acknowledge that a lot of people from Palo Alto may not ever come down to San Jose. How do we deal with that? And, and we have to figure that out. We have to own this region. We have to own this place that we have the benefit of living in. You know, it talks in the report, too, about, I mean, literally the title, right, the giving code. Like, there's this code of who gives and how they give, and um, we need to sort of rewrite that or, or write something new and emerge something new. And I would ask you, Carol, what, what does that look like? What, what In your mind, what could that look like? Yeah. So the, what Heather and Alexa, the authors of the report, identified from these conversations with high net worth individuals and then executive directors of community-based organizations is a, is a belief that the new donors or the in, that are experiencing this new wealth look for high impact, look for innovation and disruption, look for heavy-duty engagement, being on your board, leading the direction, telling you what to do in some ways, um, and that there, you know, that the nonprofit CBO is kind of going, ah, how do I relate to that? And at the same time, the distrust from the high net worth individual, often looking at 
the CBO that they don't know, community-based organizations, and feeling that they're inefficient, there are too many of them. I mean, there has been really terrific growth in the numbers of nonprofits and the numbers that are less than a, a million in assets, you know? So there's, there's good grounds for that kind of disconnect and how they feel about each other on both sides. But that, um, that giving code about high impact and um, a disruption, use of technology, you know, I think, yes, we do want those. But I think we also want this appreciation about the vibrancy and support for needs right in your community. And that, that is a really good kind of philanthropy. When we were on a panel together at your place, Rick, about this. Yeah, we I talk, said, we do this all the time. Think about when you're looking for a like think about, you know, if you if you raised kids or or are raising kids and you're looking for a a good after school program for them. You go and you talk about what that after school program does. You don't run them through the ringer about how are they going to solve the after school problem in the state of California <laughs> and preferably in the next year. And so, you know, really understanding that we need both kinds of philanthropy. So it's how do you change that giving code and expand it to being a deeper understanding about the, the needs of a community for its nonprofit sector. I was meeting with somebody a couple of weeks ago who said, God, if I have one more student coming out of the Stanford Social yeah. Entrepreneur Program wanting to start a nonprofit and wanting seed money, my head's going to explode, right. right? And I think there is something to that, that folks are perhaps encouraged to start their own thing, start a new thing, and instead of investing in some of the backbone organizations that are here. So I, I think that's, that's relevant for sure. Rick, what's the code look like? The, the code, <laughs> to build on what Carol said, and again, it, it's, it's what the Rotary's doing. Um, we need to get the message out there that not all social issues can be monetized. You are not going to find the app. You're not going to find the entrepreneurial innovation that, makes, that enables you to give blankets to kids, feed foods. There are going to be those social issues that are complex, that are challenging, that require a relationship. And so what we're telling folks, and I, I get these calls all the time from folks saying, I don't know where to give, I want to give. And, and I'm also, you know, just a, a little di digression. You know, I'm not one of those that, that bashes and says, oh, they're not giving enough. I think the philanthropic spirit is alive and well in the Valley, and it's alive and well among the young and the new wealth. We have to remember, Sobrato started their foundation when he was 50, and Packard, I don't know how old he was when he started the Packard, Packard Foundation. These are 20 and 30 years old that have instantly become millionaires and billionaires in some cases, and they're trying to figure it out. They have grown up in a perspective where scale is what matters, data is what matters, and they're looking at all these nonprofits trying to figure out, why do I have 10 nonprofits saying that they are the best in getting this child through college? I don't know how to make sense of that. And so what we need to do is help, one, help them understand that solving these social issues is very complex. And, it, and it's not going to be quick, and it's, you're in for the long haul. We also need to help them understand that the, the nature and the, the capacities of our organizations, we as, as individuals and institutions and companies, have not done a good job in making sure that the, the nonprofit community is able to talk to the new wealth in the way that they want to be talked to. We have not built the in infrastructure. Take the, take the nonprofits that you support. If you're really honest, I would believe that you would say that their ability to give you the data that you want, to look at longitudinal data, to look at their impact, is not at the level that you would hope or like. It is good, I'm, hope, I'm assuming it is good, but it's not at the level that this, the new wealth is expecting. We need, we need to figure that out. We need to do a better job about understanding 
how we're going to get these two groups to communicate. Um, so my biggest message to them is that they need to get out of their comfort zone a little bit and, and understand that the easy stuff has been done. The stuff that the Packard Foundation, the Sobrato Foundation is working on right now is the hard stuff. And that's going to take some time. And it's certainly not sexy to uh, fundraise for um, better data. Right. <laughs> so that's part of the challenge, is how do we actually fund those positions to be able to give new new wealth what they want, right? Speaking of your foundations, Carol, you mentioned yeah. a grant that you're, you're doing yeah. with Heising Simons. So let me tell you uh, what we're trying to do with this is, one, is, is there's, it's just underscored for the Packard family and the staff of the foundation how important our local grant making is, that we need to do more, not less. We need to get more involved in talking about it publicly and in supporting data and information. Something that Rick, Rick's been a real leader in convening local philanthropies um, around these issues. And don't go to town on this yet, but you know we're wondering if we shouldn't create a, a, a giving pledge that's local. You know, where we all commit, or companies commit, and foundations commit. And, yeah, okay, maybe we should do it. Right? Yeah. I think but, that's a yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just to start, like, hey, that matters, and it's part of being a good citizen here, is to have a piece of your giving portfolio be committed to giving locally. I think you have to experiment a lot with different ways to connect people. So, you know, there's SB2 partners, there you, many of you are so involved in development and you have your own ways that you're experimenting with how do you engage and connect with new donors or with new corporations forming. But I know at Packard, I'm doing a lot of talking right now with people with donor-advised funds who are interested in reproductive health because our foundation has really cared about access to family planning and other things. And so can we at Packard have been working on this for 53 years share information, create a giving circle or giving collective that makes it easy for people who want to be involved in that area. We're doing similar things in early childhood drugs, but I think we all have to experiment with how to connect the two. What we're doing is we're continuing to provide general operating support for nonprofits. I mean, we, we believe in pride in place, and I can't say that enough. This is, yeah. this is who we are. This is where, we, this is where the family made their billions of dollars. This is where they want to see that money uh, distributed. We're also looking at building the leadership capacity of the nonprofit leaders. What can we do to, to provide at least some modicum of the professional development that your corporations and so forth get on a regular basis and, and that are, that's kind of absent for the nonprofit community? Both our foundations have capacity building programs, but we have 50 times more applications for those than we have the dollars. So I'd love to see some collective right. gathering of money for that because when nonprofits want to improve and want to build out their metrics or build out their strategy, there should be money to support them to do that. I was at a, a panel speaking um, with a person from Deloitte, gave a great presentation about their management work and what they're doing with a company that will go nameless but one of the top tier companies. And they've been in, been with working with this organization for six or seven years at easily you know two to three million dollars a pop. A year, and I was I was stunned. I was I was blown away by what they were doing. And then I turned to him and said, "There is no nonprofit that could a get away with or have access to having that type of professional development." What that does is that puts you at a disadvantage of getting the information and the impact data that you want about how they're solving the community problem. So, philanthropic community cannot be the only institution that is building the capacities of our local organizations. That's, it defaults to us, and we need companies to also say, wow, we like Organization X, and not only are we going to give you a grant for 
this project, but we're going to throw in a little bit more so you can hire an evaluator or you can build up your resources. We just need help. It is not possible for Packard, Sobrato, Hewlett, Skoll, CZI, all the rest to, to lift up all these organizations and do the project work that you guys want us to do. So that would be my call to action, one of them. One thing I'll say too is that Deloitte uh, has has this pro bono uh, kind of arm where they they will take on projects to do evaluation work and to um, provide professional assistance. So more of that, right, would be exactly. would be pretty incredible. You know, one other thing I want to call out too before we um, move on to some questions here. When we're talking about, I mean, the Giving Code really focuses on getting accessing more of that wealth and having it stay local. But I think there's another conversation, uh, another um, kind of a next step to that, which involves really the public sector and how do we, how do other sectors, um, in particular government, and so many of these organizations are dependent on government grants. How do they engage in this conversation so that we can have true transformation of, uh, you know, of like discussed in the Giving Code? Yeah. Silicon Valley needs to feel like Silicon Valley. We all understand it's not a place on a map, but we also understand we are here in the middle of it. We need your leadership and your leverage to really force and push regional decisions. 35 cities between Santa Clara and San Mateo County, 54 school districts between Santa Clara and San Mateo County. So unlike a Seattle, a Philadelphia, a Detroit, San Francisco even, where you can go and you can affect some change, the navigation of all those municipalities and all those school districts really presents us with challenges toward rootedness, toward uh, achievement gaps and opportunity gaps, and other things. So number one would be help us push for regional, uh, regional solutions, regional conversations about housing, transportation, education, all the other th stuff that we know about. Number two, from the company side, Look for real, meaningful ways for your employees to get engaged. Do that from the perspective that your philanthropic arm and your philanthropic investment is really about building your employment pipeline. It's not just about doing some good. That's all great. But if you take it from the perspective of building your pipeline, your employment pipeline, you're going to approach those interactions in the community in a much different way. And then the kids that I have to go talk to in the community are not going to look at me already feeling that they have no opportunity to work here and live here. Because they're going to see that you've been there and there's been hope for them engaging in your companies, engaging your community. So that would be my other call. I think those are two big things that are going to allow us to continue to have the communities and the neighborhoods that we want. It's building the connections among the sectors of group like ALF. Um, but I also, in, in and there are some bright spots. There really are some mm -hmm. great regional convenings going on of city and county governments with nonprofits, with businesses, trying to approach these these issues. We'll, we'll see, right? I mean, Connie, you've seen this happen before. But <laughs> <laughs> we've got to make sure this happens around housing and transportation. You know, there's new there's new money available for it. We all have an opportunity to work. There's also just the bully pulpit, you know. So um, Mayor Licardo probably isn't here, but I. I think he's done a great job of um, something that I've been really interested in, and actually ALF has done some, is around connecting um, older people's talent and time with younger people. And so Mayor Licardo just got chosen, won an award nationally for a campaign that we funded at Packard called Generation to Generation that is just trying to hold up the opportunities in these two counties, or in San Jose and Santa Clara County, 
around for people to connect with youth serving organizations. So check out the website, Generation to Generation. But I think there's a lot of human capital asset here too um, that we can do better jobs of connecting. Just on a call this morning, we were talking about how everyone's living longer and what are we going to yeah. do with our next 50 years, right? Yeah. Uh, when we hit that that, that midlife. I, mean, I want to close the, the this portion of our, our program and open up for questions, but if, if you could name one important opportunity, Carol, that the report presents that is exciting for you that you hope Silicon Valley seizes, what would it be? That we leave here with a real sense of challenge and opportunity. I mean, I, I think, Rick, you said it. If you can't do it here, I mean, there are communities struggling across the country trying to, who aren't, who aren't uh, growing economically. We've got the growth economically. We've got so many resources. We've just got to make it happen. So it's this sense of let's not just make this one more report. Like let's, let's do some things together. Yeah, I would echo that. The, the big takeaway I hope you can take from us is, or two, I'll give two. I can never give one. <laughs> it's an and conversation, not an or conversation. It's whatever you're doing now and then what else can we be doing? So that's one. And the second is the opportunity is here. What gets us excited, keeps us going in the office every day, it can happen here. And we can be the model. And I think it's just it's gonna take your kind of your leadership, you're using the bully pulpit in a way that allows us to to connect, reconnect with our communities in a different way and in a special way. And I think we just had, I was talking with Sal about the four four oh eight thing web that's going up. Those things that help us get in our head. This is the place that we live, and this is the place we should care about. And if you work here and sleep here, as Carol said, you need to have a little bit of your time and energy going to taking care of it. And that's the, that's the simple message I try to give out every day. So I want to thank you both so much. We're going to open it up for questions. Uh, folks, uh -oh. you got a few minutes for that. <laughs> All right, good luck. Suzanne, Suzanne, I've got Mike here in the back. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge both the Sobrato and Packard Foundations, who gave six-figure gifts to our Rotary Play Garden, even though that project did not really fit your normal guidelines. You believed in the concept. And uh, just a little data for you um, after the fact. In two and a half years, we've had over 400,000 people wow. uh, go through that Play Garden. Wow. And there are now seven other privately funded equal access playgrounds in the two counties here in Santa Clara and San Mateo. So we really set the bar for that, and we couldn't have done that without your contributions. Thanks, John. Larry? I'm a believer that a sense of place impacts the culture of philanthropy and the culture of, culture of giving. I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and they used to raise for the arts in one single event more money than all the arts organizations in San Jose combined in a year. Uh, if you live in Shaker Heights, Ohio, Cleveland you identify with. When right. you live in Bellevue, Washington, Seattle yeah. you identify yeah. with. You said people in Palo Alto have never come down here. That's, that's tragic, okay? And until we get a sense of place and identity, I don't think we're gonna solve this problem. So I can't agree with you more. I can't, and I think we're moving in that direction. But I can't agree with you more. That's 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 kind of the missing piece. Is it, and it's not to make people not like their local communities. It's just how do we create a sense of place for the all? Again, an and conversation. As someone who's worked in nonprofit for quite a few years, I think this report highlighted something that a lot of us felt was happening in the in the region. And how can we be involved 
in the solution of how to bring these two communities together because I think at least representing the nonprofit community, we would love to be involved in the conversation. How do we bridge the gap? The two authors of the report, we've commissioned to do a follow-up report to really go deeper with individuals of high net worth and really get a better understanding, but also to talk to a number of community-based organizations about what should be the next step. Yeah, all I, I can say is that philanthropy is meeting early in the new year to look at next steps for ourselves. The key question is, is there a role for philanthropy in helping high-wealth individuals connect with community-based organizations? Um, is, what is the role around data and impact data so that we help community-based organizations speak the language of high wealth? Um, and so we're trying to figure all that out. All right, Carol Larson, Rick Williams, thank you all so much. Additional support for American Leadership Forum comes from Eris, Cisco Systems, Jim Baer, Microsoft, Sobrato Philanthropies, and Silver Lake. ALF is passionately committed to building diverse networks of leaders focused on personal and community transformation in order to create an inclusive and thriving Silicon Valley. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and subscribe to The Dialogue on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please visit us online at alfsv.org.